Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. How are you wherever you are? Thanks so much for finding us in whatever form or fashion that you do. Football is upon us, and we've got a lot to talk about today. So let's not waste any time on this Monday, August 15th, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He is spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. It's located right there on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com. 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcasting on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, so much is going on. The Saints had their first game of the season of the of the preseason, but the big story of the day involves Miles Brennan. Um, he's stepping away from football. He was he was basically told, "You're not going to be the starting quarterback." And after all the trials and tribulations that that young man has been through. Um, suffering a season-ending arm injury just days before LSU reported a training camp a year ago, and then starting three games and getting hurt uh, that against Missouri that sidelined him for the remainder of the year. So he, he worked out. He gets hurt. He rehabs. He works out. He gets hurt. He rehabs. He's in his sixth season with the Tigers. Um, was told he's not going to be the starter. And he's walked away. He finishes his LSU career having played in 20 games with three starts. Now, I know there are going to be some of you out there that say, well, what kind of a leader is that to walk away, to just write up and before the season gets underway, walk away and just quit? Come on. Come on. Look. It's time for that young man to get on with his life. Get on with his life. He tried everything he could. And obviously, from all the injuries and all the missed work, obviously he's not up to speed with Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. And the coaching staff was honest with him and said, look, here's the, here's the, we've got to make a decision, and we've got to make a decision pretty darn soon. Because this college football season for us gets underway in 20 days. And we've got to start narrowing this down. And as of right here, right now, based upon everything we've seen, all the film study, everything, you're the third string quarterback. Can you imagine the devastation that hit that young man? 
Can you imagine all the blood, the sweat, the tears, the disappointments? Man, I, look, there's something good going to happen to this guy somewhere down the road. Um, and I hope it happens for him that way. I don't want anybody saying, well, he just up and quit or he's not being a good lead. It's not a good look. You've never been in the trenches then. You've never been in athletics then. You've never suffered the highs and the lows, the disappointments and the the euphoria. You've never been there. You don't understand. You just don't understand. I salute Miles Brennan. I wish him nothing but the very, very best. But it's time to move on. I don't blame him. I don't blame he is a he is a man amongst a bunch of kids. He's been there six years. Six years. Had a chance to to go somewhere else. And Brian Kelly showing his ability to recruit convinced him to come back. And there's only one reason why Miles Brennan came back. In my humble opinion, I don't know for sure. I reached out to his dad, a friend of mine, and obviously his dad just, you know, doesn't want to talk about it right now, but he will. Um, he just wants the best for his son. But the kid came back because he really, truly loves LSU. Always has. Always. So I don't know how you can fault the young man. I just, I just want you to get well. I want you to find happiness. I want you to find peace of mind and move on. Maybe, maybe Miles Brennan keeps in shape and works and keeps working out and gets a quarterback coach, and maybe he goes and tries in the NFL. Who knows? Who knows? It's just not going to happen here at LSU. It's just not going to happen. So with Florida State looming on September 4th, it's now a two-horse race. And in today's practice, which we'll delve into a little bit later, uh, Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, both alternating reps with the first team. It's a two-horse race, and um, the best man will win. Don't be surprised if both play at some point in time, but um, that's the big story of the day. Uh, Miles Brennan walking away from football uh, at LSU. No no surprise with the uh, unveiling of the AP Top 25. Alabama is the number one team in the preseason poll for the ninth time. And uh, with Nick Saban at the helm, they have been there a bunch. They received 54 of 63 first-place votes. Ohio State is number two with six first-place votes. Georgia is third with three first-place votes. And there is a, a demarcation line. There really is. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and then the rest of the field. The rest of the field. Clemson's four. Brian Kelly's old school, Notre Dame, rounds up uh, the top five, which sets up an incredible opening game on September 3rd between the fifth-ranked Irish and the second-ranked Buckeyes of Ohio State. Man, how about that? Um, The Tide's preseason number one ranking is their seventh in 15 years under Nick Saban. Since the preseason ranking started in 1950, only Oklahoma, with 10 appearances, has been number one in the initial poll more often than Alabama. Yeah, boy. Um, 
So there you go. Um, Texas A&M is the next SEC school coming in at number three, despite being eight and four a year ago. They believe that that phenomenal uh, freshman class is going to come in and make some things happen. So you've got three SEC schools in the top six. The next SEC school to appear is Arkansas at 19, Kentucky at 20, Ole Miss at number 21. So six SEC teams in the top 25 LSU in the others receiving votes category. Um, So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Number 13, North Carolina state ranked in the preseason poll for the first time since 2003, number 20, Kentucky making its first preseason poll appearance since 1978 art still and company, the big tall behemoth, uh, defensive lineman who LSU lined up for a field goal and uh, Art still crashed the line, blocked it, took it, picked it up, scooped and scored. Yes, indeed. Texas A&M has the second best preseason ranking for a team that finished the previous season unranked. Just a little tidbits in there. Uh, and for LSU with new coach Brian Kelly, they'll start the season unranked for the first time since 2000 Saban's first of five seasons as the coach of the Tigers. So it took him one year and uh, he was in and LSU never looked back. What a golden era it has been for LSU football without question. So uh, if you go through all the, the conferences, the SEC, of course, leads the way with six teams in the top 25. The ACC is next with five. The Big Ten comes in third with four. The Big 12 has three. The Pac-12 has three. The American has two. And there are two independents, Notre Dame at number five, BYU at number 25. So uh, the AP poll is out and about. Um, our guest list today, we will, uh, Chris Rosevoglu will take us back over the Saints' uh, 13 to 10 preseason opening loss. The, uh, the, the Saints are getting ready to head to uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin for some practices and then preseason game number two on Friday against the Green Bay Packers. So Chris will go over what he thought. I didn't, uh, full disclosure, did not watch one play. I hate preseason games because um, your stars aren't going to play. And I know you got to do it for depth. I know you got to do it for some rookies. You got to find out about them. Uh, but really, uh, you're not playing the other team's best players either. So I take it with a grain of salt. Now, this week against Green Bay, the practices against them, that will ramp up and that will tell us some things about um, who's going to make this team, who's not. There's some cuts going to have to take place tomorrow as this team gets to get down into the 80s. I think it's 85, 86, something like that. Uh, So we'll talk to Glenn about uh, Chris about that. Glenn West will join us. Uh, We'll talk about LSU football. Um, He got to see some practices. We'll we'll fill that all in. Uh, That's our number one. And our number two, there's a new book out called Everything Matters in Baseball. It's a story about Skip Bourbon. Not so much about his teams, but his philosophy, his motivational skills. The author, Glenn Gilbo, will join us. Uh, We'll try and sell some books for him at 3 o'clock. And then Blake Rafino will join us as well from the Are You Serious podcast. And uh, we'll delve a little bit deeper into LSU. So um, that's what we've got going on for you today. 
just in case you uh, wanted to know, and I know you do because you're here and uh, we're here to inform and to entertain you in the best that we can. Um, and, and speaking of which, football season is here and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. You can score $500 to Chops Specialty Meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. Now, look, we give a lot of things away. We get a lot of a lot of promotions. Astros weekend getaways and this, you know, um, discount, you know, gift cards to great restaurants. But let me tell you, doesn't get much better than this one. You could be the tailgate king. Oh, my gosh. How cool is that? So don't hesitate. Enter in the Game Rewards Club. And if you haven't joined yet, come on. What what the Sam Hill are you waiting for? Come on. It's 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Monday's brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. You can't shop right at ShopRite. <laughs> you just can't shop right at all. All right, we'll recap preseason game number one, Saints-Texans with Chris Roseverglue after this timeout on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Fighting Tigers of LSU in southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we are back. It's 18 minutes after the hour on this Monday, August 15th. We had some live action Saturday with the Saints and the Texans. Um, so let's let's get a recap of it. And, rem- and remind you, it's just preseason, ladies and gentlemen. So don't don't judge too quickly. Don't, please. Uh, Chris Roseverglue is a writer for The Spun at SI Now, Saints podcaster for Boot Crew Media, and most importantly to me, friend of this program. Christopher, good afternoon, sir. How are you on a Monday? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing pretty well on this Monday. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Um, uh, Full disclosure, did not watch one play of the game because I hate preseason because I don't want to jump to conclusions. So I let you do that because you do it so well. But first off, I just want your thoughts on a couple of things. Um, When you think about all the quarterbacks that played last year through all the injuries, it seems like the, one of the best acquisitions the saints got this off season was Andy Dalton agree or disagree. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, when the Saints signed Andy Dalton, I was kind of questioning, you know, what the move was there. I wasn't sure if, if they really valued the backup quarterback position that much, but you're seeing why. And uh, Andy Dalton, whether it's through training camp, which he's played well throughout most of the practices, or the game on Saturday in the preseason where he looked really sharp and kept the offense on schedule the whole time, uh, you'd think that 
in the unfortunate event that, let's say, Jameis Winston were to miss, let's say, a few weeks, a month, whatever it might be, if Andy Dalton plays the way he's been playing for the last month, you feel like with the offensive weapons around him, he's going to keep the offense on timing, on schedule, and kind of do his thing. And when Andy Dalton's been on his best, kind of think of the situations he's had. Think of Cincinnati with A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, and those type of weapons. Yeah. Well, I think he might have even better weapons in New Orleans. He seems to be very comfortable with the coaching staff. And there's not even just the value of him you know, playing in the event that Jameis goes down. He's been a big help to Jameis in the locker room, too. His experience helped in the quarterback room. He's been helping out Ian Book. So uh, it's one of those additions that when it first happens, you don't think much of it. And then as training camp goes on, the preseason comes around, you're like, hey, he's an upgrade over what they had last year in Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill as their backup quarterbacks. And he's a heck of a lot better, it seems to me, from what I heard, that Ian Book is a long way away. Needs a lot of work to be done. You know, that, that is the unfortunate thing for Ian Book coming into yesterday, there, uh, coming into Saturday's game. There was two things I wanted to see. How comfortable does he look relative to that Dolphins game last year, which obviously wasn't a fair circumstance. Everyone was out because of COVID. Coaching staff was derailed. So we all cut him a break for that game. But I wanted to see him look a bit more comfortable, and I feel like that just didn't happen uh, in certain situations. I don't think he was, let's say, horrid uh, per se on Saturday, but I think there's a long way to go before we say Ian Book can be – uh, a backup quarterback in this league. I don't think he's there yet. I still think he's firmly number three on the depth chart, and I, I think that he's going to have to have a bounce-back game against Green Bay on Friday night for the Saints to be like, hey, what if you know this situation happens last year where your QB1's down, your QB2's sick because of COVID? If he steps in, is he going to be able to hold down the fort? Right now I would have yeah. to say no with what I've seen. Um, mm. But, again, luckily for him, he's got two more dress rehearsals, I would say. And yep. he's going to get a lot of the snaps like he did, 22 pass attempts against the Texans. Uh, I think we'll see a lot out of him over the next two weeks, and hopefully we'll see a lot of good out of him because the opening, yep. obviously, not exactly the, the right foot to start on. No question about that. Um, Chris Roseverglue with us. Uh, he was originally signed with the Saints as an undrafted free agent in 2019, and his NFL career has been a string of injury after injury. He spent most of his NFL career on injured reserve, but the Saints keep bringing Chris Hansen back, and boy, um, he he's trying to he's trying to make a point to stick and stay, isn't he? You know, that, that's the funny thing. We talked about this linebacker group, and, you know, we love Demario Davis, and, and Pete Werner is supposed to take that big leap in that second year if he's healthy. But everyone goes, well, what do you have behind them? And, you know, they didn't bring back Quan Alexander. That's obviously something that fans were, were hoping would happen. But you see what Hanson does on Saturday, and you're thinking, okay, can he double down and do this again on Friday against the Packers? Because he, he set the tone early. First, very, very first play on the field, tackle for loss, just absolutely shot the gap, and, played well there, and then later on has the interception to kind of be the cherry on top, and there was really no moment where I thought, you know, he's kind of tailing off here. I thought he was great from the minute the game started all the way to the very end, and that's the type of performance where you kind of pencil him on the 53, and if he has another one of those, all of a sudden you rep you take that pencil off and you sharpie him in on the 53. So we'll kind of see what happens with Hanson here, but he's a guy who knows the system. Linebacker Coach, Ho Coach Hodges really likes him, and He's the type of player that, at the very least, the Saints think could get special teams impact out of him. So if he could be a backup yeah. linebacker and play the way he did in the preseason opener, who knows? Maybe the third time is kind of the charm for, for him. Yeah. Man, um, I was reading a tweet from you, and you said that Justin Evans, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer who plays safety uh, in his first appearance as a New Orleans Saint, was impressive as well. What stood out about him? You know, for Evans, it was a matter of kind of building off what he's done in training camp. There's, there's been a lot of moments in training camp where he's flashed that kind of range that he has and 
the ability to be a playmaker at the safety position. And, you know, training camp's a little bit different, right? You're playing the same guys almost every single day, and maybe you get used to their tendencies, so you want to see can you replicate that against new competition. And I thought he did that. His interception that he had was, you know, one of the better plays you're going to see in the preseason um, with that diving interception. He played great recognition. And I think people kind of forget you're talking about a former second-round pick, and the potential was always there in Tampa Bay. He flashed in at times. It just was not a string of consistency, and then the Achilles injury that set him back. And for the Saints, remember, no smoke Monday. He's out for the rest of the year. Sorensen's getting up there in age. The Saints can use another backup safety, and why not a former second-round pick who knows the NFC South, who has the potential, we've seen it through training camp, and now you start off your preseason uh, with an interception. I mean, that'd be really good depth at a position that, yes, they did add Tyron Matthew, they did add Marcus May, but imagine you can get the best out of a former second-round pick who was quite the impact player at Texas A&M. I, I think that would be a win for the Saints. I'm with you. Chris Rose will glue with us. Uh, the preseason is really a great time uh, for running backs to showcase themselves because they're going to get a lot of touches. Um, and we've seen it happen for the Saints for a while. So it's a crowded running back room. Uh, what stood out, if anything, from preseason game number one with that room in the building? You know, what stood out for me was, honestly, I thought every single one of them had plays where it's like, okay, I think they can buy for that number three spot. I thought Dwayne Washington came out, set the tone, played well uh, as a receiver, did well with his carries, had that opening drive touchdown. Um, and I thought right then and there that he kind of cemented his spot on the on the roster because Dwayne Washington is one of their best special teams players. So you know you want to keep him for special teams, and now you see him play well in the preseason. You think, okay, he can give us some impact at running back if we need to go that route. But it wasn't just him. I, I thought Tony Jones Jr. did a good job of kind of building off the preseason success he had last year. He played well against Baltimore and Jacksonville last year in the preseason. And it didn't replicate to the regular season, but I thought he looked good uh, against the Texans. I thought Ozigbo looked fine. I would say the one that was the most um, you know, polarizing for me was Abram Smith because I think he did the most with his carries. I thought he had the most burst. I thought he had the most pop. But the problem is he fumbled. And Dennis Allen talked mm-hmm. about how important ball security is and had Abram Smith not fumbled, I think I'd be telling you right now that out of all the running backs, he impressed me the most. But unfortunately, he did cough up the ball, and now it's going to be a point of emphasis for the rest of the preseason, for the rest of training camp, that Abram Smith doesn't put the ball on the ground because obviously the undrafted kid out of Baylor wants to make the roster. He has to take care of the football. Chris Rosenblum, uh, part of Boot Crew Media. All right, so a lot of the stars, most of the stars did not play, but a couple of rookies did. Their first round pick did. Let's start with Chris Olave. What did you see, um, and how has his game progressed from the college game to the NFL game? Yeah, I mean, Chris Olave was he was fine. I thought the route tree that they gave him was was diverse. There wasn't a worry about him being kind of a, a one trick pony. Um, but I think his game, what we'll really see him at his best is when we see him matched up with Jameis Winston. I think his speed along with Jameis Winston's arm, that's where we'll really get to see what can he be in the Saints offense. So for now, I think if you're looking at an Andy Dalton-type-led offense, you're probably thinking of your Michael Thomases, your Jarvis Landrys, the guys that really benefit. Unfortunately, of course, they didn't play in the preseason opener. But I think for Olave, he's still developing nicely. But if we want to see what he can be at his full potential, we kind of have to see him with Jameis Winston there. Because for now, with Andy Dalton – it's going to be some, you know, bubble screens. It'll, it'll be a couple of quick crossing routes. Nothing major for now, but um, so far the the arrow's still pointing in the right direction for him. What's the arrow pointing like for Trevor Penning, the offensive lineman, also a first-round pick? You know, Trevor Penning is a mixed bag in that game. You know, you had, uh, in terms of run blocking, Pro Football Focus graded him at a 90 in run blocking. They thought he was outstanding in that regard, and 
you saw that. He, he looked like a mauler in the run game. The problem was pass protection. Um, there were two plays in particular that he really struggled, and I caught my, you know, caught my attention that the two times that he struggled in pass protection greatly, they were against speed rushers, and it kind of brought to my attention that mm. if you think of the Saints' defensive line, they don't really have speed rushers. The Saints' defensive line is almost built like a basketball team. Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Cam Jordan, all these big players who are around 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", and um, for Trevor Penning, I'm curious to see how he handles speed rushers moving forward because he won't have the luxury of going up against those speed rushers in training camp. So it's going to be against Green Bay. How does he adjust against their speed rushers and go from there? So um, definitely some good in the run game, a lot to be desired in the pass game for now. But I think luckily for Trevor Penning, James Hurst has been you know rock solid. So he could take his time to develop, and he won't have to worry about being ready for week one because that's Hurst's job to lose. This week is a very important week, isn't it? I mean, I'm not talking about the game Friday. I'm talking about the practices that are going to be held between the Saints and the Packers. That's when all the the marquee players are going to start getting after. They may not play in the preseason game on Friday, but they're certainly going to be put to the task during these couple of practices, right? I mean, that's what we should expect, correct? Oh, we absolutely should. I, I think joint practices, you know, some people are mixed on them. Some players don't necessarily love them, but – the competitive ones absolutely adore these moments because these are those one-on-one opportunities that we'll see a Michael Thomas versus a Jair Alexander or a Michael Thomas versus a Rasul Douglas. And you want to see if a guy like Michael Thomas is all the way back. Well, let's see how he does against one of the best yeah. corners on an opposing team. That would be fun to watch. And um, if Jameis is able to practice, how does he operate against a Green Bay defense that I think is going to be sneaky good this year, added a lot of young talent through the draft, and they've done that over the last couple of years. So, uh, I would love to see how this Saints offense kind of matches up against them. And on the flip side, for your defense during joint practices, you get to go up against one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. That's going to mm-hmm. be great. That's the only way you kind of sharpen your defense. And we all know last year the Saints were up to the task against Aaron Rodgers. They'll have a chance to do it again uh, over the course of a practice week. So uh, I think for the Saints, joint practices are super ideal. Um, I've seen it last week. You know, think about a division rival, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They went up against the Dolphins in practice, and every little moment, a Julio Jones catch here, a Tua Tungo Vailoa pass here, everyone was going nuts over it. So um, I do think joint practices are kind of the uh, the, the diamond in the rough when it comes to great yeah. moments in training camp. I'm with you. Uh, all right, Chris Rose of Glue. Um, it, it appears more and more are hopping on the bandwagon of Alvin Kamara getting through this whole season uh, without any discipline. Are, uh, what's the latest there you're hearing? Yeah, you know, it continues to trend in that direction. And at this point, when his hearings push back to October 1st, he's already going to be in London for the Minnesota Vikings game that's on October 2nd. So, right. the, you know, all signs to that point to his legal team pushing this court date back again. If they push it back, it'll probably get pushed back another two months, and that gets pushed back to December. And by the time it comes to December, his legal team probably will try to push it back another two months to the point where by the time that they do get to this court hearing and we finally get a resolution on this, the 2022 NFL season will probably already be over. So that seems to be the sign pointing in the direction things could change, you know, you know, crazier things have happened before, um, but you're hearing it from everyone. You're even hearing it from Adam Schefter yeah. now today talking about it and saying, you know, it, it's unlikely that it happens this season. And I think it just makes the most sense right now. I mean, um, you already know he's going to play the first month, no problem. You already got to assume that they're going to push back that court date because he's not even going to be in the state when it happens. Mm-hmm. So um, I would be surprised if he gets suspended this year. And isn't that a luxury for the Saints? Because it, the running back concerns, you're a little bit dialed less when you don't have to worry about Kamara uh, and his right. status. And 
just three division games to start off the season. We had a concern about, is he even going to play in those games? Well, now you know you have him to start off those three division games for week one, two, and three. So it's a huge luxury for the Saints. And if they're going to reach and, and get to the places where we think they could go if everything works out, number 41 should be a big reason why. In about 10 seconds, any update on Jameis Winston and the foot? Nothing yet. I mean, everyone said it's minor. They think he's going to work through it. And I think it's a matter of does he feel well enough to maybe play on Friday. That would be great if we get to see him first yeah. drive. But if not, maybe we'll see him in week three of the preseason. Chris, you're the best, man. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. All right, buddy. You take care. Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This season's lineup includes St. Thomas Moore on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, Acadiana High on MeTV FM, 97.7 FM, Karen Crow High on Z1059, Southside High on Mustang 1071, Vermilion Parish on 1063 Radio Lafayette, St. Landry Parish on News Talk 98.5, and Barb on the game, 1041 Lake Charles. Make sure to download the station's free mobile app, so listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. We'll get the latest lowdown in Tigertown when we return to the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for those fighting Tigers of LSU in southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 38 minutes after the hour, welcome you back to the Jordy Holford Show. This LSU Tigers segment brought to you by Cajun Chef. Decidedly different, delectably delicious. The big story coming out of Tigertown is that sixth-year senior Miles Brennan has ended his college football career after returning to LSU for, for one more chance at glory and becoming the starting quarterback. It just didn't work out. Glenn West, go 247 Sports, kind enough to join us. Glenn, did you uh, did you see this coming, big guy? And thanks for the time, as always. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, you, 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 uh, well, thanks for having me on again. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I think the big thing with miles you know, coming in, uh, was, was this going to be where he was in the, in the pecking order with this thing. And I yeah. think, uh, kind of back in the spring, you know, it was pretty evident that it was going to be a three man competition between him and, and Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, and then you started to see, I guess, a little bit of a shift early on in, in fall camp. Um, it, it really became kind of the Daniels Nussmeyer show uh, for really kind of the latter part of that first week. And mm-hmm. uh, even when you know, Nussmeyer missed some of the uh, the, the practice, the, the media got to see fully uh, last week. Uh, it was Daniels that got the majority of those snaps. And I think maybe the writing was on the wall there for Miles that he might be kind of the, the odd man out here early in camp. And uh, it kind of led to this decision. I don't fault the kid at all. I really don't. No. I mean, he's been through hell in a handbasket, and why? Why to carry a clipboard again? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's been a, a long winding road for him. Obviously, he had the the opportunity back in 2020 uh, with this group and uh, started three games. I thought he played well in those three games back in 2020. It wasn't his fault. They started one and two with the yeah. defense giving up 40 points a game, but. Um, 
think things happen. And obviously he had some really bad injury luck the last couple of years with the, the abdomen injury is that kind of the freak injury. And then followed it up with another kind of freak injury on a fishing trip the next year when it looked like he might have a, a pretty good shot at winning a quarterback battle. So um, it, it just, just kind of really unlucky, I think for, for a lot of his career. And obviously he had some really great moments as well. I think, you know, being there with Joe Burrow and getting to, yeah, be up close and personal with that those two years there uh was it was, was certainly a career highlight for him and um you know, now he just obviously you know moves on and, and does something else so now we got a two-horse race and we got 20 days before the season opener i i think this thing is i mean they have a scrimmage this week correct that, that could be the telltale day yeah wednesday they have a scrimmage and uh yeah i i think it's going to be a huge day for this battle obviously you're down to Nussmeyer and Daniels, it's going to be a big day for Nussmeyer, I think, in particular, just because he wasn't out there last time we were, uh, you know, witness to a to a, a full practice. And it's going to be really important, I think, for him to show uh, this coaching staff that he that he's uh, obviously fully recovered from that ankle injury, number one, but also that he uh, can move the offense just as well. I mean, I think the thing that really has kind of kept him in this battle so far is is the arm talent obviously he's got really great arm talent he's a power he's got the high velocity thrower uh can really pinpoint mm -hmm. uh, that ball and 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 make some really uh, unique throws that not a lot of quarterbacks can make and so uh, it's going to be really important for him to have a good day and yeah i think this this really this whole week is going to be can he make up enough ground to really right. make this a, a, a competitive uh, rest of fall camp uh, leading yeah. into the, the Florida State game? Yeah, Glenn West, go to four seven sports. And remember the first thing that Brian Kelly said in his three tier of what it takes to be the quarterback one, protect the football. And that's something Garrett Nussmeyer with his that gunslinger attitude. I know he's toned it down a little bit, but that will be the telltale sign. We shall see. Um, one thing appears to be settled now. It seems like the offensive line is settled. So it looks like we've got a we've got a center now that's going to be there for a while that's the one thing that's been pretty consistent with the you know time we've been out there at practice really the last week or so they've had will campbell lining up at left tackle uh they've had Tremont shorts over at left guard they've had garrett dellinger at center miles frazier at right guard and anthony bradford at right tackle that's been a pretty consistent first team rotation for lsu the last week or so um and i, I wouldn't really expect much to change i mean unless uh, you see a guy like Charles Turner maybe make a push, maybe like make a late push. You got uh, obviously some some really young guys in Emory Jones and uh, Marlon Martinez who who are kind of names to to be on the lookout for in terms of rotation snaps in that mm -hmm. first team. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that uh, they they feel good, they feel comfortable about that first team O line that they've been rolling out, and uh, we'll get a, another really good chance to see them on Wednesday. That's the one man. You got to have continuity there. Those guys got to work like a, like um, um, synchronized swimmers. They got to be all in unison, yep. right? You do. Yep. Um, it seems to me. I don't know how how far along Kayshawn Butte is, but I, I have a feeling when the when the lights come on and you start keeping score that he's going to be fine. But I think Brian Kelly's looking for some more receivers. I think he's confident in Jack Besh. But apparently he's he's asking Brian Thomas Jr. and Kyron Lacey to to step up the game a little bit. Yeah, no, uh, that was kind of one of the more interesting answers. I think I think kind of the perceived notion heading into this fall was just how deep this receiver group was and how much 
how many options were going to be available to them that I don't think many people kind of stood back and, and wonder just what happens with all these bodies out there. How do you, how do you divvy them up? How do you divvy up the reps and everything? And yeah. um, it, it's been very interesting. You know, they've been moving Malik neighbors inside and outside. He's been playing some slot and playing on the outside. I think he's probably one of those guys that's poised for a huge breakout sophomore year. Uh, with the program, uh, they've been moving Brian Thomas basically to the outside as, as the kind of other outside option next to Butte. Uh, still haven't seen a whole lot of Jack Besh. He, we were out there today, and uh, he was kind of off to the side, still trying to rehab that that shin, and uh, he's got a little bit of a back spasms right now as well. So um, <laughs> got, got to get him healthy. Obviously, I think he's going to be a huge part to their success. And, um, yeah, I mean, Kyron Lacey was a guy that really showed last week. I mean, he had – probably three or four catches throughout the practice that we got to watch last week. And uh, I think he's going to be kind of that change of pace guy you, you hope to have in the middle of the field. While LSU continues to work on this year's team, they continue to strike it big for future teams. Um, they got a pretty good safety out of Zachary over the weekend. Yep. Was up there at Zachary for, for Kylan Jackson's commitment. It was a, uh, uh, another big time get, obviously the, 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 you know, three, three and really a week there yes. where you get Shelton Sampson, you got the quarterback, Ricky Collins and Kylan Jackson. Those are all Baton Rouge area kids that are, mm-hmm. that are now a part of the, the, the 2023 class, very kind of unique uh, additions to, to the group. And uh, yeah, I don't think they're, they're quite done yet either. They've got a couple of really interesting commits coming up uh, commitment decisions with Kai Preen, who's a St. James prospect and uh, Zalance heard the offensive tackle from Neville, who was Will Campbell's teammate. So, uh, but yeah, with Jackson, he's about six, one, almost 200 pounds already as a, uh, you know, heading into his senior year. I think he's a guy that they see Impressive. being able to help, you know, not only just in coverage, but a guy that can maybe play closer to the line of scrimmage and rush the passer a little bit as well. Glenn West, go to four, seven sports. You mentioned he's a safety. That That's my biggest concern. How did that defensive secondary look out there today in the limited time you were able to watch? Yeah, so I was pretty much watching the offense today. Uh, the okay. defense, you know, I think uh, we, we've, we've, I've had a nice chance to look at the defense, but uh, really one of the big surprises has been Colby Richardson, the, 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 the transfer from McNeese, who really didn't oh. get a, grab a whole lot of headlines throughout the summer, but he's yeah. been taking some first-team reps at cornerback, and uh, Brian Kelly even called him out by name as one of the surprise players of really all of fall camp for LSU. And so I think they feel a lot more comfortable about that cornerback depth now with Richardson, uh, Jalen Davis Robinson, the freshman was another name that Kelly brought up as kind of a surprise player. They think will be able to help LSU this year. And so you add, you add those two to the mix, you got seven banks and Jarek Bernard Converse. I think you feel a lot better about that cornerback depth. And obviously it allows you to uh, play a little bit more with that safety position as well. I think they, they can certainly move guys back. They can uh, you know, trot out, you know, Joe Fouché, Greg Brooks, uh, Jay Ward. Um, all those guys are going to be playing prominent roles this year. Sage Ryan kind of in that nickel corner role as well. They have a lot of options back there in the secondary. And I think they feel a lot more comfortable maybe than when they did entering the fall. I think they're pretty close to making a lot of decisions. I know quarterbacks are one of them that they got to solve, but the other one that's important as well, they got four guys still in competition to kick. Yeah. Not the punter, but to kick field goals and to kick off. Who, who, where, where, where does that stand? 
yeah. Uh, so Nathan Dibert, the the freshman, the true freshman that they signed. Yeah. Uh, he's actually a lefty kicker. We've, we haven't had a lefty kicker wow. in quite a few years at LSU. Well, your premium action, uh, yes. But yeah, he's uh, he's got a strong leg. We had a chance to watch him in special teams a couple days ago. Um, you know, they they kind of they kind of keep the special teams guys away from the rest of the team, so it's a little <laughs> hard to see. You got to kind of right. really crank your eyes down there to see what's going on, but. Um, yeah, they have a couple of guys that they're really considering. I think uh, Coach Kelly ha- hasn't really narrowed down that search yet, um, but that's 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 going to be one that we'll, we'll certainly be on the lookout for on Wednesday. Which side still has more question marks in your mind? Is it the offensive side or the defensive side? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I think probably just because of the nature of it, the offense. I mean, there's there's just so many guys at so many positions. I mean, like running back, for example. I mean, we haven't even talked about the running backs yet, but – Noah Kane, John Emery, and Armani Goodwin, how did they split up the reps between those guys? I mean, we were out there today for team drills, and there were series where Emery was the first one in, and then there were other series where Goodwin was first in, and then Kane had his chance at first reps as well. So I think they're they're really going to approach this in a by-committee kind of kind of place with Elliot, with the running backs this year. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how they divvy up, up those reps. Of those three, any of them, is anybody stand out catching the ball out of the backfield? Uh, so I would probably lean towards Emery in that sense. Okay. I mean, he had a, he, he, he kind of showed himself to be a little bit of a reliable pass catcher a couple of years ago before he wasn't uh, with the team, uh, obviously last year, but um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be somebody you're going to have to really rely on in the pass catching game. Haven't seen a whole lot of Noah Kane being used in the backfield as far as pass catching goes, but um, he, he's such a bullish. They're they're so bullish on his talent that I don't think they're going to be able to keep him off the field. I mean, this was a guy that for two years had to battle through a Liz Frank injury. You know, those yeah. are tricky foot injuries that are yeah. difficult to come back from and. He really wasn't himself last year at, at Penn State. He even admitted that to us, and now he feels like he's really 100% and ready to contribute in, in a big way here. Wednesday's an important day. Yep. And you guys get to watch the whole thing. So the, last time it was more of a practice and a couple, of, you know, a little bit of 11-on-11, 11 11, but I think this is going to be full, full out, full go. You have you have to get a, a, a pretty good sense of what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, just so I, I do think there's going to be some more scrimmage type uh, you know, simulations there. I do think they're going to get in their individual work as well, but uh, definitely want to see some more red zone. Want to see some more goal line with the the eleven on eleven teams going at it. Uh, didn't see a whole lot of that in that first practice, and I think that's going to be something to really tune into you think they've kind of opened up their playbook a little bit or is it still kind of vanilla no they, they they've definitely op- implemented their playbook opened it up a little bit more i think there's there's more third down stuff now that was really what they were working on last week and uh you, you've really got to get a good sense for what you're going to do in the red zone and in goal line situations which is why i think you know the mobility of Jaden daniels is going to be really important here because you can't find your first or second option in, in, yeah. in the red zone. You're going to need somebody who's going to be able to scramble and, and be able to run uh, and, and get some good good, good yards downfield, even uh, in those tight spaces. So that's where kind of Daniels, I think, has an advantage. I've, I've been saying this from day one, and I'm going to stick with it until I'm proven wrong. I, the guy doesn't leave Arizona State as a starter and come to LSU unless there's something that's been said, something that's been told, a wink, a nod, I don't know. But that's who I think is going to be. But we'll see. If Garrett Nussmeyer gets it, then he proved he was better. 
then that's terrific. But uh, 20 days away, we shall see. Glenn West, go to 47 Sports. He's on recruiting. He's at practices. You're loving it, aren't you? You're loving it. I'm loving it. It's a, it's a good good time to kind of be able to cover the team right now. They've, they've got some really exciting players, and, and it's a, a really cool kind of just another look at kind of how the program's being run. I mean, I understand how they're not voted in the AP Top 25 after what they did a year ago and so mm-hmm. many changes and so many new players, but you feel like there's talent there to compete in the upper echelon. Always, always at LSU, there's always right. talent there. So, um, okay. yeah, I think that's just another thing they can use as fuel. Not sure how much they look at it, but, you know, they, they, they have a pretty easy – I will say they have a, a you know advantageous start to their schedule. I think that yeah. first five or six games are very gettable if you, if you start off the right way. You were too young to remember the Curly Hallman era because they didn't have much talent then. But uh, oh. but that's okay. <laughs> Those things time, are long gone. Thank yeah. the Lord. <laughs> long yep. gone. All For right, Glenn. Um, enjoy practices. Enjoy Wednesday. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jordy. Appreciate Glenn it. Glenn West. Go to 4-7 Sports. We'll be back uh, to wrap up our number one, set the stage for our number two. After this time out on the Jordy Hulkberg Show on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Finishing touches to our number one. Coming up, our number two, we'll talk a new book in town all about Skip Bertman, everything matters in baseball and more on the LSU Tigers. So stick around our number two straight ahead. The Jordy Hulkberg show brought to you by ShopRite tobacco plus discount outlets. And we will return for our number two here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. If you missed hour number one, we recapped the Saints and their preseason game number one. Not much to take out of it, to be quite honest with you. The, with Chris Rosevaglue, uh, the Saints will be in Wisconsin, getting ready to uh, have some practices against the Green Bay Packers, and then preseason game number two on Friday. So this is a very, very important week for uh, the Saints and some of their players. And maybe we'll see some of their players playing in uh, their key players playing in exhibition game number two. Um, we talked with Glenn West, the big story of the day. Miles Brennan has um, said, I'm, I'm done with playing football at LSU. I'm, I've, you know, he was given the word. He was going to be a, uh, a backup at best, probably third string this season behind Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, or Garrett Nussmeyer, Jaden Daniels, whoever wins that battle. And after, you know, his sixth year there, he just said, um, enough is enough. And I'm not going to hold the clipboard anymore. I've, I've, I've fought the fight and I'm done. And uh, so now it's a two horse race. So you can listen to those two interviews with Chris Rosevaglu and Glenn West. Go to 1037.com. Uh, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Look on demand. Look up the Jordy Helper Show and you can find those down the 
road. We've got uh, Blake Rafino coming up in um, in this hour uh, at around three thirty, and uh, we begin hour number two with um, a new book that's out, and it's the story of how Skip Bertman built the LSU baseball program from scratch to a dynasty with five national championships from 1991 to 2000. Uh, the book is called Everything Matters in Baseball, Dash, the Skip Bertman story. And uh, our good friend, friend of the program, very proud of him, Glenn Gilbo is the author. He interviewed nearly 200 people close to Skip, delving into every detail of the master's mastery and i believe we've got glenn on now by now glenn are you there yes sir hey jordy uh, how are you hey fair, i'm terrific man first off congratulations i know that's a that's a labor of love man uh, is it was it everything you thought it would be when you see some of your friends that have written books and now you've do, done one was it was it everything you anticipated and more well it was uh it was probably more difficult than I thought it would be. I mean, I, I had a good idea it was going to be difficult. It took it took longer than I thought it would, you know, because uh, you know you can't you you uh, once the book is done, it's done. You know, you you uh, and it, it's it's permanent. You know, that's different than like when you write for a newspaper yeah. or something because the newspaper goes away. You know, and <laughs> and uh, you can right. make corrections overnight now, but uh, you know the book's permanent, so. Uh, I, t- I took my time with it, and uh, but I- I'm 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 pr- uh, proud of it. I wish I wish it was longer, but uh, it- it's uh, it's it's a good short read, just over 200 pages for marketing purposes. People get intimidated by a big book, but uh, Skip was worthy of a big book. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, a lot of people buy it, which means a lot of people will see it. Absolutely. Why that? Uh, how'd you come up with the title? Everything matters in baseball. Yeah, that was just something that I, I kept hearing uh, Skip say, and and Warren Morris said it in his uh, forward before he knew what the title was, and it was just something that I kept kept hearing. And I, uh, when I first started the book, uh, I, I threw a few titles at at Skip, and he had some ideas, and he, he liked that one too. Um, so uh, that one that that one worked, and it it, it says a lot because it's. It, it, it's really um, it's how Skip approached being an athletic director too, and and really everything he does. What what do you if you could pinpoint what is the secret to his success? Is, is it one thing in particular, or is it a multitude of things? I think he just knows the game better than most people. I, I, I really do, and and he was able to be two or three innings ahead of people, and he was able, a lot of people know the game, but he was able to teach the game to great players and to average players, and and uh, that that's why he won. His, his players were always very prepared mentally through videos, and uh, a lot of players like Warren Morris and Todd Walker all said, you know, they, they just felt like they had the advantage because mm-hmm. he was in the dugout. Wow. Uh, Glenn Gilbo, the author of Everything Matters in Baseball. You can visit www.acadianhouse.com to get a copy. And if you're an LSU fan and particularly a baseball fan, but but these are the kind of stories um, that, that can help 
anybody in any walk of life, in any form of business, into formulating uh, a game plan and coming up with the motivational skills that it takes to year in and year out be successful in whatever you do, I believe. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things Skip Skip wanted. Skip wanted the book for, for coaches of all sports and, and of all levels. Uh, there's a lot of uh, truisms in there for you know, any coach uh, can can learn something from because, uh, you know, Skip has always been a coach's coach and yeah. he's always seen himself that way and, and was always quick to help the other in-state schools for sure around around Louisiana. Did you did you learn something? I mean, you, you've known Skip Burtman forever. You've covered him forever. We've heard all the stories. We've heard of the hold the rope. We've seen the television stories about him. G- give me a little snippet of something different, new that you learned uh, through all this, all these trials and tribulations and interviews of so many people. Was there something that stood out to you? You know, you know, athletes are are usually not in awe of, uh, of coaches, you know, uh, especially really talented players, but most of it, of Skip's players were, were in awe of him even before he started reeling off national championships. That, that's one of the things struck me in the book is that, you know, the, the players were just amazed how he could, uh, tell the future in a game or, or over the course of a season. Uh, it was, it was kind of uncanny. Uh, Todd Walker talked about that, Ben McDonald, Mike Bianco. You know, Mike Bianco said he thought he knew a little bit about baseball when he came to LSU because his dad was a coach, and uh, he felt like he was starting all over, you know, when he when he got to skip. And, and you know, there's a lot about Mike in there and because, uh, um, you know, Mike uh, talked about skip a lot at the World Series that he, that he just won. Um and still uses a lot of Skip's uh, program in, in his program, but uh, that and just um, you know the the band of brothers that the former players are, uh, just just all really uh, believe in one another and, and just had a tremendous uh, belief system in Skip while they were playing and and after. And uh, Mike can thank Skip because he's now the second highest paid coach in college baseball. So way to go, Mike Bianco. That's terrific. Um, uh, Glenn Gilbo, everything matters in baseball. So they, they cut out a lot of your stuff, man. I can't believe that. Got the head. head No, no, no. Uh, How how, how does that feel as an author? All the work that you do. uh, (laughs) Some of it was cut out, but, but some of it was, uh, you know, like I wanted to, I wanted to do something on um, more on uh, Joey Bell and some more on the early seasons uh, uh-huh. before they started uh, winning national championships. But I, you know, I didn't get to write that. Uh, but there's there's still a lot in there. Um, now oh, you know, I know the, that the, uh, I got into, I started the book in 2018-19, but but the people involved in the book had been involved in it since about 2000. 15 and Leo Honeycutt had done a complete previous okay. book uh, that they scratched. So uh. they were ready to get it done. <laughs> they were in a hurry to get it done. <laughs> That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, has Skip ever told you about his favorite team uh, in, in all the teams that he's had at LSU? Was there one that uh, will always be near and dear to his heart? 
Well, um, you know, coaches have trouble with that. Um, I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if he had one favorite, but he did, uh, you know, he did refer to the 1989 team as the sixth national champion because that was the team that won at number one Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, and it got to Omaha, but they didn't win in, in Omaha. Uh, that was one of his favorite teams. But, uh, you know, he, he, he liked all of his teams for for sure. I mean, the you know, the first national champion was, was something special. That was very pitching-oriented. And then, obviously, his last national champion, the 97 team, was the most powerful offensively yeah. national championship team. Um, and, of course, this 96 team created one of the greatest moments in sports with Warren Morris's home run. Right. But you know, the amazing thing about skip Jordy that that's brought out in the book is that, you know, early on at LSU, he was like a defensive coordinator. He was a pitching coach and he, he won his first national championship largely with pitching. Well, then by the mid nineties, he became an offensive coordinator because the 97 team was, was all offense. Yeah, and and so was the '98 team that that advanced in Omaha but didn't win at all. So there's not many coaches that that completely changed their their style like that. I mean, he went from DC to to OC, and then his uh, his 2000 team was was kind of a mixture. So no matter how the game changed, because the game changed big time with with the bat power, right. and then it changed back. He he wanted. Without the bats, he won it with the bats, and then he after they changed the, the bats, he just won because of yeah. his team. He won it without the bats again. You know they yeah. changed the rules because of him, kind of like they changed the rules because of Will Chamberlain, if you remember. And yeah. and he won it again after they changed it. I, I wish I could have been a, a fly on the wall. I, I I sat down and was recruited by Dale Brown. Many many believe one of the greatest recruiters of all time. I would love to have sat in and listened to Skip Bertman one-on-one with a high school baseball player with all the stuff that he had done and listened to that story. And how could a kid tell him no? Well, there's a little bit of that in the book. Uh, When he recruited uh, Todd Walker and several other players, he said, look, you can, and then Paul, Paul Bird, the great, great pitcher. He said, he said, look, um, you can come here or you can not come here. But whether you come here or not, we're going to win it all. <laughs> so, so it was like, you know, we, we don't necessarily need you. You know, and he would say, look, I know what the other coaches are telling you. They're telling you you're going to be the vital piece of it. He said, well, you know, we, that's not necessarily going to be the case here, but you will win it, you know. So wow. he, uh, he, wow. he could play that card very well. Wow. If they had the Mount Rushmore of LSU coaches, he would be the guy in the middle, uh, ahead above whoever the other three are um, uh, because of what he did. No one's even come close to matching that. That would be an interesting little study, wouldn't it? The, 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 the Mount Rushmore of LSU coaches, who would you have on that? Well, that definitely skip would be number high one above the others because yep. of the titles. But, but yeah. in addition as athletic director, Skip hired four coaches who later won national championships. So true. really, he, he he in a way won nine national championships. So he's like the MVP all time of the athletic department. But wow. um, but I would definitely have Dale Brown in the, in the Mount Rushmore because yeah. you know he he inherited something very similar 
to what um, baseball was when when Skip got there and the ten straight NCAA tournaments and yeah. knocking on the door so many times. I, I would have him up there, and I would have uh, Saban up there because um, he he, he dramatically turned around. Yeah, turned around. And, I, and I would have Dietzel up there too, Paul Dietzel. Okay. Very good. No less miles. I can't believe. It. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Glenn. I'm kidding. All right. Let everybody know again uh, where they can get this. There's a couple of places they can get it. Please. It's time for you to uh, inform the people where they can go and find this. Left inherited a great program. People forget how great the program yes. was that he walked into. Yes. Uh, the roster was unbelievable. But yeah. uh, it's at uh, Acadian House dot com slash sports uh that's okay. a that's a publishing company in in lafayette it, it published jeff duncan's great book on uh hurricane katrina and the saints that okay. uh you may have read that's, a, that's yeah. a great book and uh there's a lot of great books on that website trent andrews uh is uh is the is the publisher uh, uh, and president of, of acadian house and okay. uh, yeah you can you can order that book directly from acadian house uh, dot com slash sports all right so when i buy my copy i want to find you and get you you know you got to get an autograph because that makes it all the all the more worthwhile so i'm looking forward to reading it all right well you you, you should enjoy it um you know there's uh, a lot about the five national championships and also a lot about skip's early days in miami and and as athletic director at lsu you know, somebody has to always take, uh, like, as successful as Skip Bertman became, he had to learn from other people. I mean, it's, it's just the way it goes. Um, but those people weren't nearly as successful as he became. So that that's always the intriguing part to me. So he took a little bit from this guy, a little bit from that guy, and then took a whole lot of himself. And voila, the rest is history, I would guess. Well, the the Miami years in the book, talk about a guy named Max Sapper, who was Skip's uh, mentor when Skip was just a kid, like 11 or 12 years old. Okay. Max Sapper was a retired lawyer who ran youth baseball in, at Miami Beach. And hmm. Skip, he took Skip under his wing, and, and Skip became a coach when he was like 13, coaching kids just a couple of years younger than him. And, and then he replaced Max as the head of the uh, Miami Beach uh, youth uh, department, you know, coaching all kind of kids there. And then he, he parlayed that into uh, Miami Beach High. So Max Sapper was really his first coach. And then he learned a lot from Ron Frazier, who was yeah. the head coach at Miami. Nick was the, I mean, Nick Skip was the associate head coach and pitching coach under Frazier. And really, he coached the team more than Frazier did. Right. Skip learned a lot about media uh he learned a lot about publicity and yeah. and how to sell the program from ron frazier ron frazier was the godfather of that and skip became okay. great at that too you know bringing yeah. the chicken and all kind of promotions to to alex box yeah well, it's fascinating i can't wait to read it glenn gilbo everything matters in baseball um it's august uh get an early christmas present for your lsu fan go to acadianhouse.com pick one up i think it'll be great reading glenn congratulations man uh good luck i hope you sell out and have to do a uh, a second edition man so good luck <laughs> all right thank you jordy thanks a lot all right, buddy, you take care. Glenn Gilbo, the author 
Um, that's terrific. All right, let's see. Um, I've got to sell something here. Let's see. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. You can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll be back in a smidge here on the Jordy Helper Show. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 15th, 1993. Hall of Famer Nolan Ryan records his 324th and final career victory in a 4-1 win by the Texas Rangers over the Cleveland Indians. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Start the second half of baseball season the right way and turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using promo code KLWB. Place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. My no-sweat bet is for the Astros to win the AL West. And what I love about FanDuel is that they have great promotions every day, it's a safe and secure app, and you get paid fast. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB to get started with your first no-sweat bet up to $1,000. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Well done, James. Well done. All right. Welcome back. 24 minutes after the hour as we roll on still to come Blake Rafino will delve more into LSU and what a big day Wednesday is uh with a scrimmage number two more, much more of a scrimmage than than the first one um we, we talked about the Saints in our number one three Saints I think who up their stock in the opener against Tex the Texans the preseason opener uh James Hurst um you know, we talked about Trevor Penning and how, you know, they want him in there. But um, from all reports, th- there's a bigger learning curve. And for the Saints to get where they want to get to, particularly with the season, you know, with the, with the schedule, with three um, divisional games back to back to back to start things off, you can't take chances. And you got to protect your quarterback. And James Hurst looked very much like a starting left tackle in his uh, limited reps. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, Dijane Dixon uh, led the Saints wide receivers with a team high three catches for a team high 33 yards. The former Edna Carr High School and Nichols Colonel standout looked like amongst all the other players out there that are looking for backup roles um he man he looks he looks pretty good 
Last year, his preseason play would have made him a near lock for the Saints roster, but this year's wide receiver battle is, uh, I think it's impossible to predict at this point in time. But Besides Michael Thomas and Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry, Dixon's competing against um, Rashid Shaheed, Kirk Merritt, and others. Uh, those wide receiver four, five, and six jobs are up for grabs, and Dixon seems to me has an ever-so-slight edge after the Saints' first preseason game. When we talked about Chase Hansen, who has had uh, you know, so many injuries and all that, but um, he was easily the standout of the preseason opener. Um, has he already won a roster spot based on his performance through one preseason game? I don't know, but he led the Saints with six, tack- six tackles. He had a pass deflection, and he had an interception, uh, and he looked, according to reports, uh, as comfortable in the defense as he's ever been. Remember, no Quan Alexander. He, he was a departure in the offseason. And the majority of the Saints' backup linebackers are young and inexperienced. Zach Bond, Nufai Sewell, Isaiah Pryor, uh, Hanson. Well, um, apparently, uh, I just saw this. The Saints are bringing in uh, a new linebacker. And um, he was cut. I can't remember his name. He was just released by the New York Giants. Um, and so they're, they're still looking. Linebacker is still the biggest question mark for this team. I've just seen this. Uh, we talked about Miles Brennan and uh, foregoing his final year for playing football with LSU. And he, he, he just tweeted this. Uh, what a journey it has been. I have given my all to this university and football team. I love every one of you. I will be a tiger for life. 15 is officially signing out. Um, Yeah. Forever, forever a tiger. Uh, I am announcing today that I will be stepping away from football. I am thankful for where this journey has taken me so far, and I'm looking forward to where it takes me next so um yeah we 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 shall see Uh, so i wish him the best i don't blame him i don't fault him for one iota of a second i really don't um he's given everything he has and that's all he can do and he was not you know maybe the time off time away it just it didn't come back and uh and and as a result the saint uh, the tiger said look you're going to be third stringer and, and that's about it. And I don't, I don't fault him. I don't blame him uh, at all. So um, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Um, still to come, we've got uh, Blake Rafino of the Are You Serious podcast. As we'll delve into, I don't, I, I don't think the linebacker's name was John Bostic. I think it's something else. I'll look it up during the break. And coming back from the break, I will get that name. He was just released by. Uh, the New York Giants linebacker coming to the Saints. So so we shall see. Maybe it is. I'll have to double check it. I will do that when we return. And we'll get Blake Rafino on here as well to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. I'll find it. I promise. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. 
Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 34 minutes after the hour before we get to our next guest. Uh, it was the Saints sign linebacker, John Bostic. Um, Bostic spent the last three years with Washington. They also signed Nico Lalos, um, a linebacker who was cut earlier in camp by the Giants. Apparently, he'll be more of a defensive end for the Saints if he makes the team. The Saints have to be down to 85 players tomorrow, so expect some cuts here and there before the team leaves for for Green Bay um, in Lambeau Field, which was the, the beginning of the end, the real end of one less miles uh, as we shift gears toward LSU. Uh, pretty big story today. Let's bring in our good friend from the Are You Serious podcast, the one, the only, Mr. Blake Rafino. Blake, thank you for your time, man. How, how was your weekend, man? Um, very non-eventful for a very eventful Monday. okay so um miles brennan stepping away from football after being told he would not be the starter this fall your thoughts hey jordy can you hear me ah now i can hear you yes i didn't mean for you to have a a moment of silence miles brennan did not pass away he is he's he's just not (laughs) playing football anymore yeah i I mean look my thoughts are jordy i know that he had Two very freak injuries, but he just never really bounced back. I thought last Thursday they gave him every opportunity to make a huge leap forward in reference to maybe even being the starter, but at least being the second guy with Garrett Nussmeyer being out, and he couldn't, he didn't perform well. So I, it's of my opinion with today's news. Brian Kelly just told him, hey, man, you're not going to start, and we're going to need you in a backup role, and he stepped away from football. Yeah, I don't fault the kid at all for doing what he did. He's been there, done that, and, I mean, one disappointment after another disappointment after another disappointment, and being that old and that many years in the program, who wants to hold a clipboard? So I don't fault him at all. Good for him. Uh, He fought the fight. He didn't win it, but, hey, uh, bigger, better things down the road, I hope, for him. So now now it's a two-horse race. How are you handicapping this thing? Yeah, so I'm I, I'm leaning, Jordy. If the games were to start today, it would be Jay. That's how I see yeah. it. Me too. Um, so I see it at the current moment. Um, is Jane Daniels? If the game were today, it would be him. I think though, Jordy Wednesday at the next scrimmage, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer could, you know, make a very big leap forward, but. If I had to be honest, and I know fans don't like hearing this, I could easily see a two-quarterback system this upcoming fall. Huh. Okay. Um, I mean, anything's possible. 
Anything is possible by, by every stretch of the imagination. Brian Kelly, when he talked about the key components of a quarterback, one, protect the football, two, get the ball to your playmakers, three, every once in a while you got to make a play for yourself. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer was known as the, quote, gunslinger, the Brett Favre kind of guy. Has he toned down from what you see? Is he more protective of the football, or does he still take those chances, which has gotten him to where he is right now? I haven't seen enough yet um, to say either way, and I know that's kind of putting that question on the back burner. But that's fair. I do th- I, you know, I, I do want to see more of him Wednesday because I, I still think he's got that gunslinger mentality where he'll just throw it just because he thinks that you know I have a big enough arm to get it there, and sometimes he doesn't. Um, and, and that's the same thing with you know with Favre. You know, he had a huge arm so I want to see more for him I think that of any player on the team he has the biggest day Wednesday in reference to can he either get closer to Jaden or surpass him Mm -hmm. so you know I I do think that my or at least I know for myself my eyes will be on him um, to see how he you know, does things. You know, the worst thing that can happen to him, Jordy, the worst thing is that he turns the football over. It's the only thing that you can really – because I think that you can work on some things in reference to where he should be going with the football. What you can't always correct is someone that's very high turnover prone. You know, and I'll give an example. Sam Darnold was like that at USC, and people thought he would get better, and it only got worse. Yes. So I, I do I do think that it's one thing that people think that is very correctable, but it's more it's not as correctable as some people think it is. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast, near and dear to your heart. It seems to me at this point in time that your beloved offensive line is pretty much intact, uh, with Garrett Dellinger taking over at the center position. What happened to Charles Turner? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> he came into camp 275 pounds is what happened. Uh, Jordy, you just can't play on the O-line uh, at two, you know, 275, 280, and, and even really 290 uh, unless you're physically just imposing to others. Um, and I think that they want they feel safer with Garrett Dellinger making the calls. So he got too skinny? Feel, well, and I thought quite honestly, in the things that I've seen, that he's made the right calls, quite honestly. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I remember one time that he made a call at the line of scrimmage that I thought was questionable, and then Jaden went up to the line and patted him on the rear and said something to him. They changed the protection. It's picked up perfectly, and Jaden Daniels hits Kyron Lacey on a 25-yard corner route for a first down and first and goal in the last scrimmage. So I think that there has been a pretty decent connection. You know, I I will say this. There has been a better connection with the O-line and protection with Jaden than there has been Garrett. That's the one thing I will give Jaden over Garrett right now is, and Jordy, you know this, when you start that many games, even if it is in the Pac-12, the defenses don't always change. There's not a lot that he hasn't seen. So, and here's another truth: he went into UCLA last year and beat them. 
And the protection that gave LSU fits, he triumphed in. Yeah. So yeah. I, I will say that there's if there's one thing that he can clearly separates for, it's the protection. And and really, Jordy, it's not close. And that's important. That's very important. Uh, wide receivers, Kayshawn Butte has admitted that I'm not there yet. Uh, he's working every day. Jack Besh hadn't been in practice forever in a day. Who's who's standing out in the wide receiver room? Anybody? Yeah, well, I will say that Jack Besh did return today, which was good to see him on seven-on-seven drills and some warm-up stuff. Um, I, I will tell you, the best player in the camp so far, the best player. Like, Jordy, it's not Mason Smith, Kayshawn Bouti, Jaqueline Roy, B.J. Ojolari. It is Malik Neighbors. Uh, if that young man hmm. had a nickname, it would be called 7-Eleven because he's always open. Hmm. Very good. All right. Well, we found something so, then. I, well, I, I don't want to overreact. I really, really don't. Jordy, he's been unguardable. Like, to an, to an extent that they were double-teaming him and they still didn't stop him. And then he's chirping at practice, telling the defense what he's about to run, and they still couldn't stop it. <laughs> is it is he is not, he that good or is I'm our defensive secondary, react. which is – is he that good? Or my biggest concern has always been the defensive secondary. Uh, are they just not that good? Well, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that. I think he's separating himself. Okay. I, I really I really do believe that because Kobe Richardson from McNeese, the yeah. grad transfer, has been stellar. If there's one person that he can't catch a pass on, has been Kobe Richardson and Jared Bernard Converse. Those two young men have put the clamps down <laughs> on both sides. And so okay. I, I will say Jordy, the slot and some of the safety play, which is which is concerning, but it, I would be more worried, Jordy, if it was more players that besides Malik Neighbors, since it's okay. just that, him. Gotcha. You know, I, I'm like, okay, well, so you put in Besh, or you put in uh, Booty, or you put in uh, Kyron Lacey, and they're not doing that. But then you're putting in Malik, and he's dominating I, again. You know, I don't like overreacting to a lot of camp hype, but right. if there is camp hype, it is him. And, you know, Jordy, they, I mean, there are times where I, I feel like Jaden and Garrett are just throwing it in his general direction. You know, like, you know, saying just forget it. Malik Neighbors is out there somewhere. And yeah. he's coming down with it. And he's making them look really good. Huh. All right. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Um, we're talking a lot of defense, uh, a lot of offense here. I'm sorry. Um, looks like Daniels may have the edge so far, but still Wednesday's a very important day. The offensive line seems very set. Uh, Malik Neighbors has been terrific. Has anybody separated themselves at the running back position? How good is this Kane kit from Penn State? Jordy, if I, if I had to be – and I will be, but if I'm being honest, they have been the most underwhelming group that I've seen so far, okay. and it's not really close. Now, I think that they've had opportunities to find holes and creases in the defense. They're not hitting the right hole. 
uh, I, you know, John isn't even running with the – I mean, he's running with the ones, but he's not even starting with the ones. And I think a lot of that has to do with Noah Kane knows where to be in pass protection. So okay. if there's one group that I thought coming into this offseason would be really good, would be the running back room, I have yet to see them take over or do anything of high production – but you know, Jordy, we you know we could be sitting up here next Monday and be like, "Hey, Jordy, when I said about the running back room, I lied. I was an idiot." So again, I, I just haven't seen them do anything of high production that gives me the confidence that this isn't going to be of high of a high rotation from the three from the three and really four backs with Josh Williams, who has been the most consistent back this fall camp. Oh, okay. Um, uh... We know that Will Campbell, a freshman, is um, has stood out. Obviously, he's kind of been penciled in uh, at that left tackle position since spring. Any other freshmen standing out that that they, you think they will uh, count on to uh, be a valuable contributor? Yeah, Mason Taylor, the tight end from Florida. Uh, Brian Kelly has made mention of him multiple times now. Yeah. Uh, Jordy, they're throwing him the football. He's catching it. You know, he came in. Um, into the into the summer at around 225 to 230 pounds. He looks like he's 245 to 250 pounds at about 6'5". He is very well put together. We obviously know the lineage that he has, uh, but yeah. he is a very imposing figure when you see him. And he's got very soft hands. He receives the ball well. You know, he got hit a lot of times when catching it, and they couldn't get him down to the ground. Uh, I thought that he did okay in pass block and run blocking. Um, so we'll see there. Uh, and, and really and truthfully, the, uh, the the probably the guy that's flashed the most and just maybe a one play flash uh, has been Harold Perkins. Um, okay. Jordy, there was an outside zone um, that he ran that John Emery ran and he tracked him down in the backfield. It hmm. was something very impressive. He made the tackle. He's done well in coverage. If there's one person that I want to see more of because of the flashes, it was it is without a question has been Harold Perkins. But I do think that he gets lost in coverage, and you can't have that because no. you'll start getting gas play after gas play. But if you told me, give me one play on like on a third and two, I'm putting in Harold Perkins because I think he's just that good and he'll make mm. the play. The highest-ranked recruit in that class. Speaking of uh, recruiting, um, uh, wow. Samson, number one, then the quarterback from Woodlawn Weeks, number two, and then Kylan Jackson, the safety out of Zachary. Uh, it's good to keep those hometown kids at home. Um, sum up LSU's recruiting to date. Yep, so Kai Perrine, the wide receiver running back from St. James, will be uh, making his announcement tomorrow in Vashery. Uh, I feel very confident for the Tigers there. And then the following week, we'll have five-star offensive lineman from Neville and Zalance Hurd, who will make his decision. So, Jordy, they're about to go five for five on their main targets inside the state. And awesome. talking to some of the guys at 247 and on three, LSU will then, if everything stays the way that we project that it will, LSU will be at number four overall class. Uh, and they're not done yet. So that's just the guys inside the state of Louisiana. They have, since July 1, they have completely turned it up. 
And I think yep. that had a lot to do with June evaluations uh, because Brian Kelly hasn't seen these guys. You know, and yeah. I, I think that now you won't see this, Jordy, in 2024 as much as you saw it now, but you got to give them a lot of credit. This is, this is at least since 2017, since I've been covering the team, I don't ever remember a month or two months that was either. this just, you know, like, golly, man, they are, they are putting in work. Um, and I expect it to continue. And I think that they'll have a top five class as soon as the season starts. I, I mean, just just the other day, it was like they got nobody in this class. Now they're up to twenty. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely well, and, amazing. And like, and like I said, Jordy, they're not even done outside the state. They, yeah. they, I think that they want to add another interior defensive lineman. I think if they add to Lance Hurd, they want to go after another offensive lineman. This is, and you can go back and to your listeners. We can go back to every LSU recruiting class under Les and under Ed. They weren't this balanced. Jordan, yeah. They're going to have possibly 12, 12 offense and defensive linemen. You know who did that? Saban. Nick Saban. That was the person who did it. Nick, I wonder Nick's... I wonder how his, his career is going. kind of like your career big guy there you go how about that for a compliment there you are uh blake Rafino, the are you serious podcast wednesday a very very important day for lsu football again you'll be there and we'll we'll get it all sorted out as soon as possible but thank you for your time man have a great day Thanks, Jordy. You too. Go Tigers. All right, buddy. You take care. We'll uh, we'll take – let's see. We've got uh, the War- Rewards Club. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Um, you become a member of the Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25, gift certificate, $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Back to wrap it all up. After this timeout, the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. Stay with us. All right, we're back. 56 minutes after the hour. Time to say our farewells for the day. Special thanks to our guest, Chris Rosevaglu, with the very latest on the New Orleans Saints. Glenn West of Go247 Sports with everything LSU. Glenn Gilbo, the author of Everything Matters in Baseball, a new book about the Skip Bertman story that's out and available. Uh, and Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast. If today, August 15th, is your birthday, uh, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Um, no famous athletes today, but we got a couple of pretty good actors. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is 32 years young today, and Ben Affleck turns the big 5-0. So happy birthday to them. If it's your anniversary, happy anniversary tomorrow. Um, the Black and Gold Report, Bob Rose, more on the LSU Tigers, and we'll delve deeply into the Raging Cajuns and McNeese Cowboys after their weekend scrimmages. So we'll have reports on all of that. So until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Uh, let's be kind to one another and be happy. We'll